balloons, UFOs, derailments, explosions, and more. This administration has the same response to all of it. Ignore it till they can't anymore, then give us some cockamamie BS that tells us nothing and leaves us in the dark. And some of you really think you're better off in this lackadaisical Biden nursing home formerly known as the USA? You sure? The show starts now. Well, the Super Bowl is over, and that means the Biden administration has to face the music and answer some questions. In the last two weeks alone, we've had a three-bus-sized Chinese spy balloon traversing our nation and three other unidentified objects, bringing us to a total of four things shot down so far this month alone, and it's the 15th. But has the Biden administration answered for it? Has Joe addressed it? Hell no, of course not. That's the MO of this administration. If you ignore something long enough, it'll just go away. Think about it. That's been the strategy with everything from the open border to the crackhead's laptop to the garage classified documents and now the objects floating overhead. It's one thing to not study for the test, but this is worse than that. These Biden hacks won't even take the test. Their strategy is to leave all the bubbles blank and hope we won't notice. We notice. And it's not just Joe and Kamala. It's also that little Mayor Pete who, for God only knows what reason, okay, we do, was chosen as the transportation secretary. First, it was a supply chain crisis he was on paternity leave for. Then it was the airline debacles one through at least three. Then the railway strikes and now the derailments. That's plural, an accompanying explosion that he's just not up to addressing other than some lame ass tweets. It was a huge explosion in Ohio, an explosion that now threatens drinking water, pets, and people. That's just tweet worthy, Petey boy. But folks, you know what Pete did have time to address? Racist construction projects. Take a listen to this doozy. We have heard way too many stories from generations past of infrastructure where you got a neighborhood, often a neighborhood of color, that finally sees the project come to them, but everyone in the hard hats on that project looking like, uh, uh, you know, doing, doing the good paying jobs, don't look like they came from anywhere near the neighborhood. Right. You can build community wealth that will help close wealth gaps in this country if we can tear down those barriers. But that happens at the delivery level. Too many whites working construction. That is what has his attention. You really can't make this crap up, though I really wish I was. But up next, I've got former Michigan gubernatorial candidate Tudor Dixon on deck to discuss this, UFOs over her home state, that horrific university shooting, and so, so much more. That's next. Over the weekend, as many of us were munching chicken wings and throwing back beers ahead of the big game, another high-altitude object was shot down, this one over Lake Huron in Michigan. We still don't know what the object was or where it came from, but don't worry. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre wants you to know it's probably not aliens. I just wanted to make sure we address this from the White House. I know there have been questions and, and concerns about this, but there is no, again, no indication of aliens or extraterrestrial activity with these recent takedowns. Again, there is no indication of aliens or terrestrial activity with these recent takedowns. I mean, hell, it could be aliens. I wouldn't be surprised if the extraterrestrial took one look at Joe Biden and said, yeah, now is the time we take Earth over. I wouldn't blame them, and honestly, they could probably run it better. But aside from aliens, we still have a lot of questions surrounding these objects, not to mention the recent derailment and explosion in Ohio, and oh, so, so much more. Here to break it down with me is former Michigan gubernatorial candidate Tudor Dixon. 
Tudor, it's great to have you. And I have a lot, a lot of questions for you to address with me. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. So I want to start with that object. Now, we've had a, a very busy last couple of weeks with the Chinese spy balloon and then the other three objects that we had. And now we've got this horrible crisis going on right now in Ohio. There's a lot to go over, but I do want to go back to your home state and that object that was shot down over Lake Huron. So I was uh, before the Super Bowl when we were getting ready for the big Sunday show. This was happening. And then we had a briefing from the DOD that was audio only about 15 minutes before kickoff. So I don't think a lot of Americans got a lot of answers on everything. And we still have yet to really get any answers. What can you tell us about what happened over Lake Huron? Well, we have no answers. And that's the scary thing about this, because we know that we scrambled jets to Canada. We shot an object down there. We shot this object down over Lake Huron. We shot an object over Alaska. What are these objects? And now they're coming out and they're saying they're not alien. We don't think they're from China. They could be commercial or they could be research based objects. We don't know because we haven't even found them. I mean, that's the really bizarre thing. We shot them down. We have no idea where they are. We haven't located them yet. We don't know what they were when we shot them down. And how did we find them? They're like, well, you know what? We tweaked radar a little bit and turns out there's more stuff in the skies than we had any idea about. So think about how bizarre this is because you know, if you're flying a drone near an airport, you can't do it. You have to have special permissions. So how would the FAA not know if a commercial company was putting something in the sky, if a university had some sort of a research balloon out there. I don't believe that we don't know what's in our skies and that we're so technologically behind that we have to be like, oh, let's turn this dial. Oh, shoot, look at all these things that are actually floating above us. That's scary in and of itself. Oh, it certainly is. And then we've got news that they missed this object the first time. So that's incredibly concerning. Still haven't gotten a lot of information on that. But how concerned are people in Michigan and in that region about the fact that they miss an object? They seem to be shooting down an object every other day at this point, but maybe not always hitting the target. Can't even find where they miss. Can't find when they do hit it. I mean, there's a lot of questions, a lot of concern. Sure, they missed. They don't know where that missile went. So that's missing. That's scary. Are we that out of practice that we don't know how to take an object out of the sky? And, and you know, the thing is that you hear all of us talking about this and we're saying, what happened? What happened? We wouldn't be opining on this if they would come out and speak. But Joe Biden is refusing to come out and speak. And you have this press secretary who clearly has no idea what to say. She's in her notes constantly. We just see the top of her head because she has no idea how to respond to this. And I'm sure she's thinking, how did I end up with a president who will not address the nation when you have a military operation? We spent half a million dollars on each one of these flights that went out and performed this shoot down operation. And yet the president of the United States does not think that he owes an answer to the American people. So he's going to allow this to continue. And, and let's remember, this is after we just went through a pandemic where we're all saying, do we even trust what we're hearing from the government officials? Now they've decided to take it to a new level. Just say nothing. Say nothing. Yeah, you know, he had a perfect opportunity on Super Bowl Sunday, actually, when Americans were hyper tuned into their television. We knew about this object. He could have come on 
well before the Super Bowl, at least given us some information, made people in that area and all areas feel a little more comfortable about what's going on. Tell them if they have a need to concern for concern or if they don't, if they're safe, if they're unsafe, what they need to worry about. He chose not to do that. The night before, though, he had hosted another black tie gala. So we know where his priorities lie. Next thing I want to talk to you about, though, is more going on in your home state, which is a tragic occurrence, Uh, of course, being politicized, but not to the level that most shootings or school shootings are. I want to talk about the Michigan State shooting. You know, immediately when a tragedy like this happens, it seems like the news media, the fake news media at large, just looks to the perpetrator and looks at what color they are and then makes a decision of how they're going to cover it. Do you think that that was somewhat the case when it comes to this shooting? I think what happened here is that they realized that this shooting goes back to failed Democrat policies and the media is the arm of the Democrat Party. And so they said, oh, oh, no, we have a rogue prosecutor that was appointed by the governor. And she ran when she was running this race, trying to become the the prosecutor of Ingham County. Her her statement or what she was running on was that she was not going to put people in jail for gun crimes. So now you have someone who should have been convicted of a felony gun gun possession, and they would have then not been able to buy a firearm. You also, this situation goes even deeper than this. When you peel back the layers of the onion here, you go, wait a minute, this is a man who had several police calls against him. Several times neighbors called the police because here in the city limits, he's has target practice in his backyard and they're calling the police. But in Ingham County, what do the police do when they know the prosecutor has made it clear that we're not going to even see someone who has a gun offense? So what are they going to do? They're going to go there and say, hey, your neighbors are complaining of noise again. They want you to stop shooting, but they cannot arrest him on a gun crime. So lo and behold, there's a university in the 17th most dangerous city in the country, Lansing, that's right, our capital city is the 17th most dangerous city in the country because we have a prosecutor who is soft on crime and then this person wanders into the university. How many times do we have to see tragedy in these cities that have no, they're not following law at all and and you see these lawmakers come out and they say, oh, we need stricter gun laws. But that was one day. They're not really saying that because the attorney general in Michigan came out and said, why don't we prosecute to the laws that we have and then see how that goes? Because if we had done that in this case, we may not be seeing this tragedy today. And I think that's the most disturbing part about this soft on crime. We end up with young people who have great futures that are gone. Exactly. And you bring up a good point about these activist DAs. Now, listen, there's a lot of folks out there that believe we should go after police when something horrific happens. But I think, why not go after this DA? Shouldn't they be held as somewhat liable if it was their policies and it was on their watch that this person was allowed to slip through the cracks? I think that there should be some accountability there. I'm not going to hold my breath. I don't think it's going to happen. But you also have a wonderful governor in your state. I know that you did your best and you did a great job trying to unseat her, but she's just a mess up and down, sideways. I want to go back to the China discussion as well, because not only is she, you know, trying to be a TikToker, a communist TikToker, but also I know that you have a lot of concerns about how she's acquiescing to China. She's doing it right under everybody's nose, but I'm not sure that the people of Michigan or the U.S., really understand the magnitude of what she's doing and the national security implications that it has. The massive amount of money that she is taking from taxpayers in Michigan and giving to China. So you brought up TikTok. I think this is adorable that Jake Tapper comes out. And and think about this. 
Jake Tapper comes out and says to her, don't you think this is probably a problem? You shouldn't be using TikTok. I mean, I've had people on my program saying it's dangerous. You've got Chuck Schumer saying we're going to ban it on all federal devices. Don't you think maybe TikTok, not so good? And she says, oh, no, no, don't worry. We've got a safe phone. That's all we have on it. Are you that obsessed with your dances? And what she's putting on TikTok is like, she goes through a, a leather jacket photo shoot and she has her dogs out there. And she says, well, we've got to get important information out to the people. So are there moments when she says, gosh, you know, I feel like this is a good TikTok moment. Get the TikTok burner phone out. We've got to get this. And then we'll throw it away. You know, it's totally secure. Oh, nobody believes that Gretchen Whitmer has a secure phone just for TikTok. And how 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 ridiculous to think that she is going to put national security at risk so that she can go out there and show you her different leather jackets. It's outrageous. But in addition to this, you're right. We've got two companies coming to Michigan from China. And I think the really sick thing is that we have one from Ford. Ford, though everybody, all the media here is saying Ford is bringing a, a new battery plant here. This is a partner. This is a battery plant owned by the Chinese with ties to the Chinese Communist Party, and she is investing $1 billion of Michigan taxpayer dollars into this Chinese company. So here we are between Canada and the United States, the very center of North America, and we are now the epicenter of Chinese activity because we've got two factories. The first one got $715 million worth of taxpayer funds. This one will get a billion dollars worth of taxpayer funds to come straight into Michigan. You know, when you talk to me about it, I understand the implications of something like that. But it's very hard to convince the voters in Michigan, and, and you know this better than anybody, that this is a problem. Because like you said, what they're being messaged is that this means jobs and opportunity. They don't understand the implications of having a Chinese company, what that could mean for the short term and for dang sure the long term, not just for Michigan, but for the United States. How do we go about messaging that? And I say that to, to you and to me, who both have a vested interest in making sure that people understand. What do you think the best way is for us to message that to people so they understand not only about these plants and this money that's being invested with China, but also, my God, TikTok? How do we convince stupid young people that it's not that important to watch people dance and cook their chicken in NyQuil? <laughs> How do we convince them to delete TikTok forever a lot of a lot of issues and it all goes back to messaging. Well, I have to say I am glad to see Chuck Schumer coming out and saying this. We're seeing Democrats coming out and saying actually TikTok's no good, but we've seen a lot of Republicans saying that for a while now. I will point out Governor Yunkin. He's been fantastic on this messaging. In fact, if you are in Michigan and you're watching this, know that Ford went to Virginia first. Ford thought Virginia was a better bet than Michigan, their legacy home state. They decided to go to Virginia first. And Governor Yunkin said to them very clearly, we don't believe that jobs are more valuable than national security. It should never be that you are so desperate to try to recruit jobs to your community that you are willing to put everyone else in the country, including your own state, into a dangerous situation with an adversary. And I think that's the important thing to understand about China. I was talking to some folks in Washington, DC, and I said, well, when you look at the trade deficit, we're importing about 150 billion, it's over 600, or we're importing over 600 from them, we're sending about 150 billion to them. What is the impact of that? Don't they feel like we are an important part of their community? And they said, you're thinking of this rationally. 
China doesn't feel that way. You've got to be very careful when you're dealing with China because they have a hundred year goal. When they're looking at what the future is, they're looking at this from a standpoint of, you know, they don't have terms. It's not going to be that they're going to get a new president. What can they do to take over the world? We're looking at this from an eight year goal. We've got to change that perspective and make sure that we are safe from a dictator who wants to take over the world. And think about it from this perspective. If you are an environmentalist and if you are so concerned about electric vehicles and making sure that we're going electric and we are taking care of the community, then know that you should not partner with a country that is putting more pollutants into the air than any other country, a country that allows child labor, a country that goes after organ harvesting, and a country that has slaves. This is not the answer to your Green New Deal, so don't go with China. And if that's the way we have to message it, then people need to understand exactly what's happening there. Well, I'm glad you brought up the environment because I want to turn lastly to Ohio and the devastating impacts of that explosion there. I mean, pets, people, drinking water, it is toxic right now. I have yet to see Al Gore. I have yet to see uh, Greta. I have yet to see any of these environmentalists that really stake their entire career on the environment and this Green New Deal. I have yet to see them on the ground paying attention to this. What do you think the implications of this are going to be? And do you think the Biden administration and Pete Buttigieg can get away with their silence on this and their inaction for much longer? Well, I think this is a, a very interesting time when you have Pete Buttigieg coming out and saying that he wants equity and construction and all of these things about whether or not we have the right color people doing certain jobs and he has not addressed a crisis. Here is an equity hire. You know, this is the, a guy that was hired because he checked boxes, not because he was capable of doing his job. And he's he is showing us exactly why that is a bad idea, why you have to hire people that have experience, because he said nothing about this. He has not come out and said, wait a minute, we've got to get teams on the ground. We should have the federal government there. I mean, this is a disaster situation and we're not responding to it like a disaster. We don't have FEMA there. We don't have people out there testing to see what exactly is going on in these homes, whether or not it's safe to have people go back. We've got livestock dropping dead. What is happening with our farms in the middle of the country? Is it safe for these people to continue operating these farms? Is it safe to drink the water there? There are no answers. This administration has become well known for being the monarchy of North America, where they feel we don't answer to anybody. We don't have to come out and talk to you about any of these things. You know, you you are not your concern is not valuable to us. But now we are in a situation where you're, these parents are concerned about having their kids drink the water. We're concerned about the livestock. Like I said, these are all massive concerns for the entire country. And it's as if we're looking the other way. It's unthinkable. It should absolutely be a reason people say, well, this party should be out of power come 24, but we also need people stepping up. And I like the fact that J.D. Vance has been out there. They're speaking beyond, on behalf of these folks, but something needs to happen. There need to be government people on the ground right now saying we're going to make sure these people are safe. And I know that you well remember what happened in Flint, Michigan, and there's a lot of Democrats that use that, especially in Michigan, and they talk about it often, and it's usually the Democrats that do. Well, now we've got another situation we can get ahead of, but because of Democrat inaction, we may not be there yet. <clears throat> now, the last thing I want to ask you about, and I have to make it quick, I do have to get your final thoughts, though, because you mentioned 2024 on Nikki Haley running for president. My final thoughts on it are coming up later in the show, but I want to know your initial reaction when you saw that announcement yesterday. 
You know what? As a woman who just ran for a statewide office, I love it because I think the more often we see women going for powerful, high-level positions, it's just breaking that glass ceiling even more and welcoming more women to get involved in the political process. It makes it a little less scary for those women who say, how can I do this? And so from my perspective, having just gone through a race, I say, the more young people that can see a woman on our side of the aisle going for this, it makes me really excited. It makes me excited too. Uh, it's nice to see a woman. I don't know if that's the woman that I want to see, but my final thoughts are coming up on that later. And I look forward to talking to you about this again as we get on down the line. Tudor, thank you for spending so much time with me. God bless you and you're welcome back anytime. Thank you. All right, still ahead. We have yet to see the Fauci files, but why? What are they hiding and how do they convince Elon Musk to keep a lid on it. Substack's Alec Berenson joins me next with his thoughts. Don't miss it. In December of last year, Elon Musk first teased the release of the Fauci files. With this tweet that seemingly indicated he had some stuff on old T. Fauci that wasn't so flattering, perhaps even criminal. We waited. Nothing came. Then on New Year's Day 2023, when Elon Musk teased the release of the Fauci files yet again, we still got nothing. We've learned a lot about big tech collusion with big government and big pharma, but we've yet to get the much-anticipated Fauci files in all their glory. So why is that? Did Biden shut it down? Was Elon threatened? We can only speculate, but here to help me do just that is the man that is no stranger to censorship or the great COVID cover-up, best-selling author Alex Berenson. Alex, it's great to have you back. And I want to start out with that very simple question. Where are these Fauci files? Well, I mean, I, I fear that the answer is going to be less exciting and conspiratorial than the audience might hope. Um, so, look, I actually was out in San Francisco at Twitter headquarters in early 2023. Um, Elon asked me to come out because, I, you know, I think the people he'd asked initially to take a look, he felt like weren't getting to the heart of, uh, you know, the the Fauci part of the Fauci, you know, files, the Fauci part of the Twitter files. And um, and then I wrote a piece uh, in you know, a few days later about some collusion from Pfizer, from a guy at Pfizer named Scott Gottlieb, who was a board member of Pfizer, pushing for um, Twitter to censor uh, stuff about the vaccines that he didn't like. Um, and I know Scott also did that to me. But but from what I saw and 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 I talked to other people who, you know, who also took a pass at this, there wasn't necessarily a lot with Fauci. Fauci is very smart. He's very he's certainly very smart politically. He's very careful. And, you know, he was deposed, meaning he had to testify under oath um, in November of 2022 about many things, including his relationship with Twitter. And he said, I, you know, I have to go back and look at how he phrased it, but that he had never directly had conversations with Twitter. And if he said that under oath, um, it suggests that he knows that there's no evidence to contradict that. Didn't his so, daughter work at Twitter, Alex? So that's a pretty she, she big freaking connection to me. It, yeah, but, you know, yes, his daughter worked at Twitter, but that doesn't mean that he was telling her, hey, pull this, pull this stuff. 
Okay, Alex, I'm going to stop people. you right there. That's like saying sure. that Nancy doesn't tell Paul Pelosi how to do his stock trades. Okay, I don't buy that for a minute. I do think you're right, though, about Fauci being very careful and very calculated. He's done this for a long yep. time. So I think we're going to find time. out more about Fauci, but I think it's going to probably have to come from House Oversight. I still think that there are Fauci files out there, though, because of that Elon Musk tweet, prosecute Fauci. Well, I mean, to put that out there, that to me indicates there's got to be something. Well, I think, but I think, I think, unfortunately, in saying that, Elon set up an expectation that that he just hasn't been able to meet. So you know, so look, he he got me involved after you know one group of people didn't come back to him or didn't come back with the stuff that he hoped for. Now I'm not involved. Okay, now he's you know he's moved on from me. And what I said to him, uh, you know, at the end of our conversations was, if it's there. I'll find it and write about it, but I can't write about something that's not there. And this is, look, there's a bigger issue here, right? We know the federal government put a lot of pressure on Twitter, put a lot of pressure on Facebook, put a lot of pressure on YouTube. We know that there was censorship coming from the White House or efforts to censor at the least coming from the White House. We've seen these documents. We've seen them from Twitter. We've seen them from the, the Missouri lawsuit that I'm talking about that Fauci had to testify in. We know there was pressure. Okay, Fauci may have been happy enough to let other people carry the water. That's how guys like that operate. So that's that's what I'm saying. I, I fear that Elon overpromised and sort of put everybody who's been working on this in a, in a difficult position. Yeah, that's certainly true. I still think there's going to be something, whether it's implicating Fauci directly or, as you said, others that were carrying the water for him. I just hope we see something. But at this point, I got to tell you, Alex, what's so frustrating to me is we have so much information now about how Big Pharma said to shut up to you, to me. To a lot of uh, uh, critics out there, we know this about big pharma, we know this about big government, we know this about big tech. We've got a lot of information that's out there in plain black and white, but people still don't seem to be getting it. I don't understand, and maybe you can help me figure this out, why the average American out there does not care that they have been lied to for over two years and maybe got several injections in their arms that could be possibly dangerous, and they don't give a hoot. I don't understand. I don't get it. Well, I, I mean, there's, I'd say, two main reasons. First of all, the, the mainstream media and, you know, to some of the elite media, whether it's the New York Times, the Washington Post, USA Today, these places have gone out of their way to to, to downplay the, you know, the Twitter files, what Elon has exposed, what's come out. To me, it's an incredible thing that we have proved that the FBI had people combing tweets and asking slash telling Twitter we want you to remove this. I think that's an insane level of censorship. The FBI is a law enforcement agency. They should not be in the business of policing speech on social media. They never should have been. And every news organization in the country, whether you're on the left or the right, that's scandalous. OK, but because COVID became so politicized, that point, you know, is not being made. That's A. B is, look, a lot of people got vaccinated. OK, and I think a lot of those people not all, um, but a lot have some regret about it. At the least, you know, they don't think it did very much good. They wound up getting COVID anyway. They don't really know anybody, you know, from the very start of this who got really sick from COVID, who wasn't really sick to begin with. 
they're sort of wondering what the whole point of any of it was. I think there's a lot of that out there. And I think there's a lot of people who just want to be done. They just want to hope the vaccine didn't do anything harmful to them. And they want to move on with their lives. And and I think that's a really powerful force. And unfortunately, the people on the left who pushed all this nonsense and then pushed the vaccines are capitalizing on that. They're capitalizing on you know people's natural desire just to forget this ever happened. Yeah, you can forget certain things happen, but not if you have heart problems for the rest of your life, which is the last thing that I want to ask you about, because I put this out on Twitter the other day. I said, you know, it's really a shame to me that Democrats are so beholden to a narrative that they will continue to push a vaccine that could be potentially dangerous for a lot of Americans. So that's the last thing I want to ask you about, because there was a big interview with Damar Hamlin and Michael Strahan, in which Michael Strahan Point blank asked Tamar Hamlin, did the doctors tell you anything of why this happened to you? He paused for a long time and then he responded, he doesn't want to get into that. Now, when I saw yeah. that, okay, I was one of those people that said, didn't don't jump on the vaccine when it first happened. Give it a breath. Let's wait and see. But that was incredibly suspect to me. What do you think about that whole situation? I mean, I, I agree with you. I feel bad for Tamar Hamlin. Okay. He's a 24-year-old kid. He doesn't know anything about you know, vaccine-induced myocarditis or how mRNAs work. He got, you know, he got hit, he collapsed. He, he, you know, he, what the doctor said to him, he doesn't want to talk about. I understand all of that, okay? I think it's, I think it's unfair to him. But what I think you're, you're absolutely, completely correct about is the U.S. now and the sort of the CDC, the public health establishment, they've gone crazy, Okay. Most of Europe now and a lot of other countries that use these mRNA vaccines, the vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna, are now explicitly saying no more boosters if you're under 50. And, and certainly if you're under 18, no more. And for our country to not acknowledge that reality, not acknowledge that the risk-benefit profile of this stuff for people certainly in their teens and 20s and 30s and probably up to your 50, 60 that the, the, the risk benefit profile is just off is just so against these vaccines and boosters right now is crazy the the world by the way is not taking these so no one is taking the advice of these people and yet they continue to push whereas in other countries they're being more honest now yeah it would be nice to see that however i think people are already gearing up for a 2024 presidential election so i think we're going to see uh, them sticking to their narrative because they want to stick their butts in their elected seats. And that, to me, is repulsive and disgusting at best. But, Alex, thank you for spending so much time with me. As always, keep tweeting away. And if you do find those Fauci files, please, for the love of God, put them out. Out in two minutes. I can promise you that, Tom. All right. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Coming up next. So Nikki Haley is running for president, huh? I'm going to take a yawn break and be right back with my final thoughts. Nikki Haley, the never Trumper turned mega coattail rider turned never Trumper turned 2024 presidential candidate has a snowball's chance in hell. It's time for final thoughts. So yesterday, Nikki Haley announced her run for president and also somewhere paint is drying. Yes, that's about how excited I, and I venture to guess most of my fellow conservatives, are about this announcement. In case you care, here it is in all its glory. You should know this about me. I don't put up with bullies. And when you kick back, it hurts them more 
if you're wearing heels. I'm Nikki Haley, and I'm running for president. The text above her announcement video instructs us to get excited and, well, we didn't, or at least I didn't. I'll be quite frank with you. I don't care for Nikki Haley, and I never have. First of all, it immediately annoys me when candidates come out of the gate playing an identity politics card. That's for the left. And the line about kicking bullies with your high heels is about as cringeworthy as Hillary Clinton telling Urban Radio she's got hot sauce in her bag, swag. Sure, Nikki Haley looks good on paper. She's a former governor, a former U.N. ambassador, a child of immigrants, and as she already reminded you, a female. All that looks good on paper, but kind of like paper, I find Nikki Haley to be largely one-dimensional and her authenticity to be paper-thin. First of all, back in 2021, she said she wouldn't run in 2024 if Trump ran, so there's that. She's allowed to change her mind, of course, something she's really good at. So let's take a look at the Nikki flip-flop timeline, shall we? In January of 2016, Nikki Haley accused Trump of irresponsible talk. In February of the same year, she dug in those heels on the Never Trump train, saying she wouldn't endorse Trump because he is everything a governor doesn't want in a president. In that same month at a Marco Rubio rally, she said again of Trump, and I quote, I will not stop until we fight a man that chooses not to disavow the KKK. In July of 2016, she finally kind of sort of endorsed Trump. And that's when she and her high heels jumped on those mega coattails and rolled them all the way to where she is today. Trump selected her as a U.N. ambassador in November of 2016, and she remained loyal to him until January 6, 2021, when she jumped off the bandwagon and started plotting her own political future. Even Trump himself said of Haley, Every time she criticizes me, she uncriticizes me later. Now listen, I don't judge someone by their loyalty to Trump. I really don't. She's not beholden to him, and neither are you, and neither am I, quite frankly, because I'm leaning towards Ron DeSantis because he has a proven track record of leadership, not just talk and BS. He also stays out of the mud and the weeds, something we need in a leader and something the independents and even Democrats can appreciate and maybe even vote for. But her flippity flops on Trump are not why I don't like Nikki Haley. I don't like Nikki Haley because, at least to me, she seems as genuine as a Kardashian booty. When I think of Nikki Haley, I think of McCain, Romney, and Dan Crenshaw in a skirt and heels, of course. She's establishment through and through, but she pretends to be mega when it suits her, not the country, her personally. She's been fluffed by the establishment, and she's not fooling anybody, or at least she ain't fooling me. Plus, she's also got no shot. We all know this is a Don versus Ron Wace, and that's the only announcement most conservatives give a hoot about, Ron DeSantis. But good for you, Nikki. You got some headlines and a cheesy can line about heels in there. Good luck. Those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.